0: Welcome to The Faith Retriever, fetching the good news for your family, a show that deepens our relationship with Jesus Christ by connecting listeners with the local church. Now, here's Deacon Eric Page.
1: Hello, this is Deacon Eric Page, and welcome to The Faith Retriever. Today, we're blessed to have with us Deacon Harold Burke Seavers, who travels around the world proclaiming the faith and encouraging us all to evangelize. Deacon Harold co hosts a weekly program called Living Stones on Modern Day Radio in Portland and has hosted a number of popular series on EWTN. And I am also very happy to report Deacon Harold will be leading a men's retreat at the Archbishop Burnett Retreat Center at the Palisades November 11 to 13, 2022. We would love to have you there. It's going to be great. The theme is going to be Go Make Disciples. You can go to palisadesretreatcenter.org to register. Deacon Harold, thank you so much for being with us.
2: Uh, thank you. It's uh, great to be here with you and I'm so glad to be part of the retreat and part of your radio show today.
1: Well, excellent. And now, Deacon Harold, you cover a lot of ground. About how many miles do you travel over the course of a year?
2: Well, I'll probably do close to 250,000 miles this year. Um you know, that was typically my travel schedule. i usually book two years in advance. Um, and then, of course, the pandemic hit. <laughs> right. right. And that, that shut everything down, right?
1: Well, that's it's good to hear that things are getting close to normal, and uh, it's nice to know that you're back out on the road. I bet you've got a strong connection with St. Paul with that much travel in your life.
2: <laughs> yeah. I call on him often, you know, um, and I do travel uh you know, out of the country. I've been to 25 countries uh, so far. Um, I'm grateful to be this year. I was in uh, uh, the Holy Land and in Germany and Poland and Czech Republic and France. That's going amazing. to Australia uh, in October. So um, I'm grateful to be uh, to be traveling again.
1: A- Amen. Well, can you tell us a little bit about how you got called into this ministry? I mean, it's a, it's a powerful ministry you're practicing.
2: Yeah, and I had no intention of of doing it at all. <laughs> so so the story is, uh, I, I'm an immigrant, you know, uh, my family were from Barbados, that's where I was born. We immigrated to the United States, I grew up in New Jersey, and I became a citizen at uh, 17. And uh, ever since I was little, though, I've always felt a pull, a tug, an attraction to faith. I mean, I, 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 as a kid, I enjoyed going to church, which most kids don't, but, <laughs> but, but I, <laughs> I actually did and I, I mean, I love serving Mass. I love being on the altar. Uh, I went to a Benedictine high school, owned by Benedictine monks in Newark, New Jersey, St. Benedict's Prep, and uh, they had a, a vocation program. So if you're interested in being a monk, I did that all four years of high school, uh, went off to college, worked for a year, and then joined the monastery. thought, okay, I'm going to stay here the rest of my life, and this is what God wants me to do. And I was there for a couple of years, and then my uh, mom got sick. My parents were divorced. My mom got sick and almost died. So I got three months out of the monastery to take care of her because I'm the oldest. When my dad left, I was helping my mom with the family. My sister was still in high school, so I had to make sure she ate and got to school and make sure the bills were paid and all that. And my second month out of the monastery, I, I went to a wedding of some college friends and met the woman who ended up being my wife. So <laughs> didn't go back, um, but, and she's from Oregon, so that's how I got from New Jersey to Oregon. And uh, discovered the uh, call to the diaconate because I still felt, even though I wasn't a monk anymore, I still felt something. I still felt God was calling me. And being part of parish council and maintenance committee and St. Vincent de Paul and lecturing wasn't enough. Uh, and, and so when I discovered the diaconate, you know, that was awesome. And I was ordained actually this November will be, uh, November 23rd will be 20 years. Wonderful. For me, um, ordained. Yeah. So. So I was doing that, and I was in law enforcement. So I was in office for 23 years. Uh, My last 11 years, I was a chief at the University of Portland, and um, uh, I was a threat assessment uh, expert. And so I was teaching contemporary threat assessment methodology at the police academy, and training at Fletsi and and Quantico, and um, doing dignitary protection details for back then was President Bush, and then. Dalai Lama and Nelson Mandela and all these folks. Wow. And so, I mean, that was that was my life. I had no intention of, of speaking anything about the Catholic faith. And God, uh, you know, put it on my heart um, a little over 10 years ago to, uh, I need you to do a different type of threat assessment for souls. Mm-hmm. And I said, Nope. <laughs> I said, I'm, I'm quite comfortable where I am right now. And the Lord directed me to the cross and to the crucifix and he said, if you want to take a relationship with me to the next level, you got to get uncomfortable. Like, oh boy, here we go. So that started my journey. And, and uh, 10 years ago, I left my career and started speaking and writing full time. And uh, it's been, uh, I haven't looked back. It's been an absolutely amazing journey. Uh,
1: that's incredible. And I love that quote from you that if where God spoke to you and said, if you want to take your relationship with me to the next level, you're going to have to get uncomfortable. And I think there's a connection there with what we're going to be asking people to do with this uh, podcast. I know it's also going to be an important part of what you're going to be doing in person in our retreat. Is asking each of us to act as evangelists to make disciples, and I mean, you do a magnificent job of that, and it's clear that you've, you're called to do that work.
2: Yeah, you know, and, and the thing about um, evangelization, right? That that's the big buzzword. Everybody's said, evangelization, evangelization. But what, what does that actually mean? You know, obviously it comes from the Greek word evangelion, which means good news, and it was used a couple hundred years before Jesus uh, in the time of Homer, used by soldiers when they came back from war. We have evangelion, we have good news, we won. You know, it's used the same way at the time of Jesus with the Romans, evangelium in Latin, which also means good news, except when Caesar proclaimed news because the news from the king wasn't just good news, it was life-changing news, because news from the king could change your life. Well, uh, Deacon, we serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Okay? So, so the news that we share about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ it isn't just good news, it is news that could truly change someone's life, can, you know, can truly bring to deeper intimacy with the Lord. And that's really the goal of evangelization. It's not proselytization where we're making people become Catholic. It's about bringing people into deeper intimacy with the Lord.
1: That's a great way to look at it. And, you know, I think that that what of evangelization, that idea of what evangelization is, can be really helpful to us. Because I think we also need to understand our why for evangelization. You know, why are we trying to share this This you know, passion and love for Jesus with people, and I, I like how you ground it out of your relationship with God, that it's connected with your relationship with the Lord.
2: Well, Deacon Eric, you know, and, and that's the key that we're missing with our young people. You know, wh- wh- what we often do is teach them about Jesus. We teach them stuff about the Catholic faith, and they never, and that's important, but they never see their relationship with Jesus, they don't see what they're learning about Jesus as a relationship. Right. You know, it's just like, okay, I have to learn this so I can get confirmed, and I have to go to church. Why are we going to church? I don't you know we're going because we have to go, or my <laughs> parents are dragging me there, or we have to have to sign some paper, you know, to show that I was there so I can get confirmed, which is basically Catholic graduation for me, you know? Yeah. I mean, they, they don't think of it as a deep relationship with Jesus Christ that grows and develops as they grow. Mm-hmm. and develop it. As they mature, their relationship with Christ matures. For some reason, many young people don't see it like that. It's just rules, laws, commandments, moral codes, what I can't do, what the Church restricts me from doing. It takes And then what the culture say about the Church, it takes away your freedom, mm-hmm. you know, to, to, to be who you are, and, you know, what's the motto if it, of the culture? If it feels good, do it, you know? And so young people don't have anything to balance that against, you yeah. know, so sort they're of getting the messages from the culture. You no, know, they're hearing about the faith. They go to youth group, to get pizza and soda. They they learn all this. They they have all this fun stuff. And then when did they get to ask serious questions? Yeah. Like God, my my buddy, who I grew up with in Boy Scouts, all of a sudden thinks he's a girl. Like, what am I supposed to think? I, I still really like him, but what am I supposed to think about that? Or you know, I, 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 and we don't want to talk about that stuff. You know, And so what happens? They get sucked into the culture. And then what happens? We're left as a parent saying, I don't know what happened to my son. He left the church. He went to Mass every Sunday, and he got confirmed. And he went to youth group, and he went off to college, and now he says, he doesn't believe in God anymore, and, you know, what do I do? And, you know, and and that's where we find ourselves if we don't ground everything that we're learning in a relationship, an ongoing, dynamic relationship with the Lord. That's how we need to to teach the faith. We don't order it down because kids want to hear truth, yeah. but they want to hear the truth and love and connect that truth to their everyday lived experience.
1: That's really powerful because, you know, there's a lot of us who are going to be thinking at one point or another, okay, Deacon Harold, thank you, but you're, you've you got this degree in theology, you've got all this knowledge about how the church works and how God works and you understand what the words hypostatic union mean, you know, I, I don't know the answer to those questions, but what you're telling us is we can speak out of our relationship with Jesus and speak to that relationship. And that's part of how we can share with our children evangelization, not necessarily because we know so much, but because we want them to have that relationship with a friend that we love so much.
2: I would say two things to that. First of all, How do you give the example to your children when they're still in in your home? Because what is our job as parents, as priests and and deacons and teachers and catechists? Our job is not to build the house of our children's lives uh, uh, with them or for them. Psalm 127, which you know is one of the the, the two psalms uh, written by Solomon, the other one is 72. And Solomon built the first temple. So what did he say in Psalm 127? If the Lord does not build the house in vain do the builder's labor. So the Lord is going to build the house of your children's lives with them. Our job is to lay a foundation upon which the house of the Lord will stand strong and firm in their life. And and the best way we can do that is by the, the lived example. So the problem is, is that we as parents have outsourced our responsibility of witnessing to the faith. You know, Father will do it, Youth Group will do it, Confirmation Class will do it. And so the kids go off, they learn stuff about Jesus intellectually in the head, and when they come home, that's where the heart comes in. That's why St. John Paul II called the family the domestic church, the church of the home. That's the place where you learn to fall in love with Jesus. But if they get home, and they never talk about what the kids learn, they never talk about faith, maybe... They'll do, bless us, O Lord, and these, I guess, before they eat. Maybe they'll go to church every Sunday. But the kids are going, there. when they ask, Mom, you know, why do I have to go this week? Can I? We already went Wednesday at school. Why do we have to go again on Sunday? And, and Mom just goes, we just have to go. That's what we do. That's not good enough. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, if the kids are adults and already left, you can still be a witness and example to them. Instead of complaining, they're no longer in the church. You know, share your experience of Jesus Christ with your children. You know, so when they come to you and you have these discussions and stuff, instead of arguing with them and trying, you know, because you, know, you try to give them Scott Hahn, you try to give them a DVD, you try to give them a copy of the catechism, and they, don't, they won't take it. Why? Because they don't know Jesus. If they don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, if they don't know Jesus in their life, they don't care who Scott Hahn is. Now, I love Scott Hahn. I do. But but they don't want a catechism. They don't want Scott Hahn. They don't want a crucifix because they don't know Jesus. So those things have no importance to them. It has no meaning for them because they don't know Jesus. So we have to introduce them to Jesus first, and the easiest way to do that is by witnessing by our example and sharing our experience, our journey of how the Lord has transformed our life through prayer, through, you know, son, let me tell you what God did for me since I started praying a rosary every day. Son, let me tell you, how God has really moved in my life. since I go going to adoration for an hour a week. And you tell your child about your intimate, personal, loving relation with Jesus Christ, because that's what they want to hear, that all this faith stuff actually means something in their lives every day.
1: That's powerful. I love it.
0: You're listening to Faith Retriever with Deacon Eric Page. We'll get back to the conversation right after this short break
1: prayer for the intercession of St. Jude. God the Father, give me hope. Help me to know that your hope is alive in me as I offer kindness, forgiveness, and tenderness to others. I seek the calm that comes from trusting in your hope and your healing presence. I trust that your servant, St. Jude, walks with me in all the blessings and challenges of my life and intercedes on behalf of my petitions. St. Jude, fill my heart with hope. Amen
0: faith retriever is back with deacon eric page and his special guest sit listen
1: hello again this is deacon eric page with the faith retriever on sacred heart radio and by podcast speaking with deacon harold burke Seavers and learning about his call to us and the church's call to us to go and make disciples deacon you shared a powerful bit of guidance with us that it's so important that we share our experience with young people and that we are willing to talk about our relationship with Jesus. It's great if we have knowledge, but it's more important that we speak to the experience. I think that's really powerful. You've told a number of really great stories that I think are helpful. At least it was very helpful to me to hear about a particular story about how you evangelized a coworker by sharing a paper with them, can you share that with our audience?
2: I think they might, oh might yeah, you. yeah, so um when I first moved to Oregon, I worked for the Salem Kaiser School District and I worked in the risk management office. I was head of security uh services there for the district, and I worked uh next to a risk manager and um uh one day a nice guy, you know former Catholic fallen away at, he he didn't even go to church, Christmas and Easter. He only went to funerals. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure what what you call that. But um, but very nice guy. What I call a natural law kind of guy. And one day um, he was cursed. He came in cursing his wife up one side and down the other. He must have had a big blowout fight the night before. But it hurt my heart to hear him talk about his wife like that. And the thing is, when you're living what I what I call eucharistically, you know that's a little phrase I made up. Basically what it means is when you're living a Eucharistic faith, when you're taking Jesus, when he fills you in word and sacrament, and the deacon at the end of Mass kicks you out, right? Ite misa es, Get out of here, right? Go and be Eucharist to the world. When you actually start living that way, you recognize opportunities to evangelize, to throw a seed of faith. You know, so, so I look for an opportunity to throw a seed. So that I, I, in God in his providence I just finished writing a paper um, for the uh, marriage and family class in grad school, and um, I was very happy with the paper. In fact, um, after I was ordained, it got published. Right. Nice. And so um, I, I brought that paper in the next day at work, and I said this, I went, oh, oh man, I don't know what I'm going to do, you know, acting all worried, and he came over to me, he goes, what's going on? I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm starting to be a deacon, and they're trying to kill us with all this work, and... I wrote this paper. It's a huge part of my grade, and uh, I, I was up all night and writing it, and, and I, I'm probably going to fail the class. I, I didn't have time to proofread it. You know, it probably doesn't make any sense. That, you know, they're going to kick me out of the program. And he goes, y- you want me to take a look at it for you? I said, oh, would you? You know, and I nice. handed him the paper. And uh, so uh, right before lunch, he brought the paper back, and I said, I-, I can't thank you enough. This really means a lot. Me took the time to take a look at this for me. Did I really screw this thing up? And he he asked one question, I answered it, and I never brought it up again. That was it. I never brought it up again. Fast forward, I leave, I get the job at University of Portland. The governor at the time appoints me to the board of the Department of Public Safety Standards and Training, which oversees all the training for police officers in Oregon. That requires a Senate confirmation hearing in Salem. So I went down to Salem, I did the confirmation hearing, and I was so close to my former office at the school district. I said, let me go see my old workmates." So I walked in and, hey, hey, you're back, you're back. And I see this guy. And he says to me, what are you doing here? And I said, wow, dude, I'm happy to see you too. You know, <laughs> He goes, I was just about to call you. Now, I have not heard from this guy. Literally, for since the day I walked out of that office, I never heard from him. So he was about to call me. And I just happened to show up. This is not coincidence, the God instance, right? He goes, mm-hmm. do you have some time? I said, sure. So we sat down and he told me his wife had cancer, mm-hmm. that they, she already lost one breast. They don't think, they're not sure if they can save the other one. And he asked me for prayers. And I said, of course, I'm going to be praying. I got my whole family praying. I got my church praying. I got monks and nuns praying. Is there anything else I can do for you? And then he said, remember when you worked, you wrote that paper. And I had to stop and think for a second, because it's been two years. I said, paper. oh, right, right, right. He goes, can we talk some more about that? See? So that seed that I planted two years ago took that long to grow, because remember, Jesus says some seeds land on rocky soil, sandy soil, thorny soil, right? Right. The birds come and eat it, the weeds come and choke it. You know, and some land on good soil. It's not up to us where the seed lands. Our job is to throw the seed and let the Holy Spirit work from there.
1: That's really helpful, because I think sometimes we think that we're supposed to run this very complicated uh, presentation by our families, by our children, by the people we care about. And then, you know, at the end of it, they're supposed to say, oh, my goodness, the light came on for me, and now I'm I'm on board. It, that's not at all what you're saying it's like. You throw a seed and you let God go to work.
2: Yeah, and, and that see, that's the thing, Deacon Eric. We live in a culture today that is results-driven. What are your metrics? What yeah. you know? What 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 are you, you know, where, where are your measurables? Where are your deliverables? Right. That's the language that we use for showing how successful an effort is. But the thing is, God works in His time, mm-hmm. and God's timing is always perfect. It's not our time. God has the big picture in view, not just our little narrow view of space and time that we have. That's limited as human beings. God sees way beyond that. He looks at the big picture. You know. So that's what we need to to be focusing on. We do our part and then we get out of God's way. And that's yeah. often hard for us to do, but that's exactly what we're called to do.
1: Well, and that's great advice for parents of youth and adults, because one of the things that I hear a great deal of is parents of youth and and young adults are saying, you know, I, I don't know if my children are going to accept the faith. I don't know what's going to happen next. And they, they get anxious about it. And I feel like some of your presentations have done a really good job of providing comforting but also solid guidance for them. And I wonder, if can you share a little bit with the listeners some of your steps, concrete steps, that can help parents to be effective in communicating to their young adult children?
2: Yeah, so one of them is, is not to argue with them, which is very hard to do. Let's face facts, right? Um, your kid's away from the church. You're heartbroken. They come over for Christmas or they come over for Thanksgiving, and everything's fine till somebody starts talking about religion or politics, and then crash and burn, right? And maybe sometimes they'll leave angry or, see, this is why we shouldn't come over here. Your parents are always jumping on us about they're, they're, they're telling us how to live our life and blah, 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 blah. So don't argue with them. They know how you feel. They already know that. <laughs> so, so arguing with them is not going to change the situation or make it any better. So don't do it. Um, I, I, sometimes we get defensive. Sometimes they may say something that sounds attacking to our faith. And sometimes we, we want to take things personally, but but arguing does not help at all. Which leads to the second one, to love them more than ever before. See, th- th- what happens is that the kids tie You know your behavior to the level of the parents love so because i'm not going to church i'm not practicing my faith which is my free choice mom and dad don't love me as much anymore that that may not be what's in the uh, mom and dad's hearts or their minds but that's the way the kids perceive it so i say love them more than ever before because here's the catholic principle we love everyone but we always don't love their actions, and we judge actions, we never judge people. So yes, you don't like the fact that your child is not going to church, and that your grandkids aren't baptized, that they're not practicing their faith or praying, but you still love them totally, completely, and unconditionally. You know, it, it, the example I use sometimes is my son. So say, for example, my son robs a bank, okay, and... and uh, and uh, someone gets injured during the, the, the robbery. Now, my son's going to go to jail, probably for a long time. So I cannot condone his actions, but I still love him. See, but the problem is we, we live in a culture that conflates your actions with your person. You know, what, how I act defines me. You know, social constructs define me. No, what defines you is a, rela- a deep, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, and, and and you know, some people say to me, Deacon Eric, well, you're you're a black Catholic, and I say, no, I'm a Catholic who's black. You know, what do you mean? I say, well, when I die and stand before Jesus, he's not going to ask me how black I am. <laughs> he's going to say, did you follow my word? That's what he's going to say. It doesn't matter what race or ethnicity you are. God is going to, you know, because the scriptures are, are, are doesn't say, okay, you know, everybody follow the golden rule except for this person from this race, because, you know, you're exempted. No, no. Our standard is, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the standard. So every time you talk to your kids, you know, I love you, son. It's want well, you know, how much you, your mother and I love you, and please kiss our grandkids for us. You know, that's the last thing you say to them. The last words before you hang up the phone is how much you love them. You see? Right. That, that's, that's how we begin to even open their hearts, to even listen to anything we have to say about the faith. So that's, that's what I would say there. And the next thing is that we have to not just pray for them, everybody prays for their kids, but we have to add fasting to the prayer. You know, remember Jesus sent the 72 out, they came back, man, we could do all this cool stuff, except for these demons, we couldn't cast them out. What happened? Jesus said, oh yeah, those dudes, they can only be cast out by prayer and fasting. And we often forget to unite the fasting to our prayer. That is a... Powerful combination that we often forget about as Catholics, and we could do a much better job with our fasting. I mean, we have one fasting day for Lent, where Ash Wednesday. People say, "Wait a minute, what about Fridays?" Well, Fridays are abstinence days, not fasting days. What about Good Friday? Good Friday is not in Lent. When you're when you're uh, abstaining from food, or, or even a football game, that desire, that hunger, that longing really reminds you what your deepest hunger and deepest longing is for, a a deep relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what fasting reminds you of, what's really important. And unite that to your prayer for your children away from the church. Extremely powerful combination.
1: Great guidance. Deacon Harold, this has been really powerful, and you've got a lot of gifts to offer us. And so I'm going to strongly encourage... any any men listening to this to consider joining us for that men's retreat in November at the Palisades Retreat Center, November 11th through 13th. You can sign up at palisadesretreatcenter.org. Doing Deacon, do you have any uh, ways that we can tap into the good work that you're doing, hear some of your presentations, or find out where you're going to be next?
2: Sure. The easiest place to go is to the website, com on there you see my schedule on the front page you'll see um a list of the books and some other things that i have um and i'm on all the social media facebook twitter easy easy to find out what i'm doing
1: that's wonderful we'll definitely be checking that out thank you so much for being with us on the faith retriever and if you would would you be willing to give us your
2: blessing sure may almighty god bless you and keep you the father and the son and the holy spirit
1: thank you so much deacon may god bless you in
2: your work Thank you so much for having me here. I appreciate
0: it. Join Faith Retriever each week for conversations about the faith and tips to engage family in the truth, beauty, and goodness of God's word. Find Faith Retriever here on Sacred Heart Radio. Search sacredheartradio.org for programs and podcasts or listen on your favorite podcast platform.